talking. Episode 250. That's right, 250 of the Paul Truesdale Podcast. <laughs> 1 plus 1 equals 11. It's Friday, January 21st, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, only 338 days to buy junk, trash, rubbish, worthless, plastic, and pure, unadulterated hogwash that nobody wants, will remember, or needs for Christmas 2022 and beyond. Here's what we want you to do. Keep buying. Keep the wheels of commerce rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep the drivers rolling. Rawhide. It's time to laugh, time to drink, time to feed the Honduran, that's right, the Honduran white bat. This is the Paul Truesdell Podcast. Due to our extensive holdings, that of our clients and your host, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest exists. The information presented is provided for informational purposes. And now, Paul Truesdell. Red alert! Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, I am broadcasting, recording this actually in the Truesdale Professional Building, and I'm joined by a bunch of guys who are not wearing pants around the table here. We're airing our dirty laundry, and the boys include Curly Joe, Tiny Tim, Yes! The Reverend Ralph. Oh. Leon of Gasamascus. None other than Bubba. Wow. And my buddy who's always with me, Roscoe. Yeah. You know, that little Honduran white bat was first discovered in 1892. Did you know that, Roscoe? Yeah. Of course you did. You know everything. And Curly Joe, you probably knew that too, right? So the Honduran white bat is found in, guess what, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and in western Panama. And despite the fact that it's really white, bright in color, it's been 60 years, from 1963 all the way back to 1898, before anybody saw that little rascal again. Now, unfortunately, what's going on? Humans, guys, gals are just pushing into the jungle. And so this increasing industrialization all across the world is killing habitats, the jungles. And, uh, well, the little guys sort of kind of need somebody like a protector in Yellowstone. It is what it is what it is. Now, whatever your name is, get ready for the big surprise. Roses are red, and how do you do? Drink four of these, and boop, 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 I may not come out alive, but I'm gone in there. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what do you say we get started? I'm calling my lawyer. Uh, but the latest one to be nominated is Sarah Bloom Raskin as uh, the head of bank supervision for the Fed. And every bank banker I talked to in the last uh, 24 hours said that this is like um, back to the future, meaning um, it's going to be the same relationship they had with Dan Tarullo during the Obama years, which was highly adversarial in your face. So what you need to understand is that during the Obama years, we had a lot of appointees in various government entities involving banks, brokerage firms, the SEC, the whole bunch of that were very adversarial. People that were like, you are going to do this or you are going to pay a price. They weren't friendly about it at all. During the Trump administration, it was basically laissez-faire. Just, it was just not anything. But we've got a few folks that have been appointed by Biden and it could be interesting and we have to follow this due to the nature of our business. Dan Tarullo during the Obama years, which was highly adversarial, in your face, you know, we want you to do stuff, you'll do what we say. Uh, her big push will be on, you know, progressive energy policies from based on her background and academic background. She's done writing on this. 
So what we got going on is we got another big push towards green energy. Now, the problem with green energy is when you have a, well, let's just say a tornado that wipes out the power lines, when you have a hurricane that wipes out, you know, a lot of the coastal lines and you got to go a long ways. When you have things like, you know, persistent or long cloud cover and the solar panels aren't quite working, you've got some real issues, but it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. Coal, bad, gas, bad, oil, bad. What do we got to do? We got to use the regulatory authority of various government entities to push for social change. Her background, an academic background, she's done writing on this. So what the banks are expecting is hers to make them, as part of their stress tests and everything else, make them uh, do more lending to what, what is generally considered ESG investing, environment and so social government stuff. Uh now, the problem is the Securities and Exchange Commission, to their credit, but again, the members on it are are changing. A lot of people in the investment world, we've got a problem with this because, and this is very important, is our job to invest politically correct or is our job to invest to get the highest rate of return for our clients? I can tell you absolutely unequivocally, beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt, my job is to get the highest rate of return for my clients. It's up to my clients, however, to decide if they want to exclude the things that we're investing in. That's their job, not my job. My job is to do the best that we can do period. Anybody ask me to make these judgment calls, I think is asking for a horrific amount of problems. Environment and so social government stuff, uh, away from pure investing, you know, in the best investments and do stuff based on social merit, including on the environment. Uh social merit, social merit. Remember, you want to listen to this word social merit and think of it in terms of social credit scores, because that's coming. You are not going to be able to buy a house, a car. You're not going to be able to go to movies. You're not going to be able to get medical care based upon social credit scores as things go along. For example, no vax, no medical care. And do stuff based on social merit, including on the environment. Uh, that probably means, you know, not as much lending to oil for oil and gas exploration. Uh, it does have an impact. Now, she needs to be confirmed by the Senate. Uh, you know, maybe there'll be a contentious Senate debate on this because the banks are going to push back a little bit with their lobbyists. Now, remember, always remember, never forget, the United States of America is run by big capital-based companies. These companies have lobbyists, and it's all about spreading the love and spreading the money. Most of what you see that goes on in Washington is kabuki theater. However, what you have is if you can get people in the position of authority, that they wind up doing is putting people in positions that are, well, to think of like cops. They hire a bunch of cops who are zealots and you have problems. So this is something that you should be paying attention to. We're paying attention to. If you're a client of ours, you don't really have to pay attention a lot to it because we pay attention to it for you. Now let's talk a little bit about teenagers driving 18-wheel rigs, and you're going to be surprised how I'm going to address this one. Teenagers with good driving records could soon find themselves behind the wheel of a big rig. The federal now, the problem is we have a real lack of truck drivers, and like I said, you know, we've got to have more and more um, truckers because everybody's buying things, right? Golden. to keep them trucks rolling because everybody wants to keep buying what? Their crap. So now think about this because you're going to love this. ...of a big rig. The federal government is launching a test program that will lower the driving age for truckers traveling across state lines from 21 to 18 years old. 
Okay, so back in the day, when I was a kid, at 18, you could drink, 18, you could vote, all that kind of stuff. Certain ages, they want you now to be 21. I'm going to tell you straight up, if you're an adult, you're an adult. This preventing people from going out and having a drink at by 21, I think it's a bunch of crap. If either, either roll everything back to 21 or keep it at 18. I, I, I don't like this hogwash of having things going back and forth and back and forth. I think it's just pure hogwash, okay? No ifs, ands, or buts about it. To me, it just makes... Makes no sense. Now, you also have people who are being let loose and they're not being criminally charged because they're under the age of 25. And in Los Angeles, specifically, the prosecutor in Los Angeles is releasing hardcore criminal suspects. Okay, Same thing's going on in New York City because they're not 25. And the, the brain of a human being, they're saying, does not fully develop until they're, that's right, 25. So they can't prosecute people who can't make decisions. Decisions. I want you to think about this as we play this out. 21 to 18 years old. The goal is to help ease supply chain backlogs. Now, let's think about this for just a second. You have heard me talk about that there are children as young as 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 making permanent life decisions to have sex change alterations, parents that are doing that, and courts are ruling in favor of sex change decisions by minors, but at the same time, we don't prosecute because they don't have a fully developed mind. And yet at the same time, what do we want to do? We want to let teenagers drive. The federal government is launching a test program that will lower the driving age for truckers traveling across state lines from 21 to 18 years old. Okay, so here's the thing. I got news for you. I started working as a police officer in Wisconsin at age 18. I actually got hired at 17. And I always tell this, it's, a, it's hilarious. My dad had to buy my gun because I had to be 21 to buy a gun, but I had the badge and could put his behind in jail. Everybody usually laughs at that. So I got news for you. It's time for people to begin thinking through very methodically and starting to say there needs to be some unif uniformity in laws. There, It's too damn complicated. And I get it. I guarantee 90% of you are going to disagree with me. Oh, you can't love somebody who's 18 to work as a cop. Why not? Some of us are a hell of a lot more mature than those of you who are 38, 48, 58, and have been since the day we were born. In addition to which, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having an age where you say, look, you're an adult. You can drink. You can, hey, listen, at 18, you can start a business. You can do something that's fantastic. You can program. You could be a billionaire, but you can't go get a drink. You could be a billionaire by 21, under 21, but you can't but drive, drive an 18-wheel rig. You know, you could be a billionaire like Bill Gates, but you're not qualified to teach school in many places. You ever think that it's something doesn't make sense? Tiny Tim, what do you think? Yes! You see the lights behind you. You hear the siren. And you know you have to pull over. For many of us, this is a short interaction with a law enforcement agent. For others, it has been life-changing. Like Whoever says law enforcement agent, that's just one of those things that makes you go, whatever. Now, one of the things I want you to understand is I have made thousands of traffic stops back in the 70s and 80s. And you know what? They're, they're stressful. I've been stopped. And I've even had tickets. Um, I can tell you, drive a big, big-ass Mercedes and go out of state and watch what happens. Man, 
and you get stopped all the damn time, especially with Florida tags. It's like, it's hilarious. It's like you, you, they walk up and they've run the tag right away and they'll say, are you retired law enforcement? Yeah. What are you doing driving a car like this? And then they want to do the bumper Morgan and strip the car and they do a strip search on you. Think you're, you're doing drugs. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. Been through that more in a couple of times, but here's the thing. Traffic stops are something that professional law enforcement officers deal with every day. Okay. And I'm going to tell you the reason why this is an insane, crazy, absolute discombobulated reverend. Oh, you're not going to believe what we're going to hear here. It is just nuts. Over for many of us, this is a short interaction with a law enforcement agent. For others, it has been life changing, like Sandra Bland's case. Pulled over for not using a blinker by a DPS trooper in 2015. I'm in my car, but I have to put out my cigarette. Well, you can step on out now. A stop that, as you can see, soon escalated. Get out of the car! And then you I will light me? you up. Get out! And left. Okay, so here's the thing. The cop has obviously lost it. He's done. But what you don't see or hear, especially the audio, is what prompted the escalation. And I do not understand why you get all these people who just constantly are fighting. I got stopped and they, they take an attitude. But what do you stop? I'm from Pluto and you're from Uranus. I am not going to be stopped by someone from Uranus. I have no respect for you. You people stink. I'm, I'm a Plutotian. I am I am immune. Even though I'm even though I'm here in Uranus, I am immune. Bland dead three days later after she committed suicide in a Waller County cell. Again, it all started with what should have been a simple traffic stop. Okay, here's the thing: she committed suicide. Let's assume she did. Do you think there's anything? Listen, people that commit suicide got some problems, right? But no, it started as a result of the traffic stop. I don't think so. The girl wasn't wired right in the very first place. You know that. I know that. It is what it is. Wow. That's exactly what we're trying to do here at Trusted Driver is minimize those interactions between the motorist and law enforcement officers. Trusted Driver is a program that in essence works like the pre-check for TSA at the airport, but on the roadways. We believe that there is a time when a traffic stop is necessary, but not all the time. For example, you're driving and an officer spots you on your cell phone. At that point, type their license plate, right? Your license plate into the system. You're within the Trusted Driver platform and at that point they they don't need to pull you over they could just send you a warning hey please yeah I mean, get off your phone that's it you carry on your business the officer knows documents that and it's logged forever the system takes the emotions out of a minor traffic infraction okay so always remember never forget some law enforcement officers misuse the running of the david system and the david system is where all of your records online my wife was stalked by a corrupt marion county deputy here in marion county florida and we sued the guy. She won. It doesn't make any difference. It is what it is, what it is. My point to you is, as a law enforcement person from many, many, many years ago, you stop people because there's a reason you need to stop them. So if you have a car, here's a classic example, old, old days. I got a car of four or five white young kids, right? They're in the housing projects. Basically, the car doesn't belong there. It's too new. It's too nice. You got Biffy, Biffy, and Biffy inside side and they're looking to score some drugs. Now let's say, I'm, I, this is a real, this happens more than a few times. They're in an area where, listen, we've had a lot of robberies. They've gotten jacked, the car's gone, it's gone to a chop shop, they're beat up, we've had people shot. What am I going to do? I need to stop them. So I need a reason to stop them. They made a turn without a turn signal. Ta-da! That's the reason for the stop. I need a reason to stop and say, and do what I call the bumper Morgan. Hey buddy, get the f- out of here. You know what, I know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. It is what it is it is.
ain't going to buy your your horse shit yet. So what you're doing is you're trying to prevent people from getting hurt. And you know that there can be a really a bad situation. Now they want to just issue an email to people. And what they want to do is they want to issue electronic tickets. Well, what if I lent my car to somebody to, well, here's a good example. My car, the driver came down from the Mercedes dealership in Gainesville, picked my car up, went back up. What if he had committed a violation, was swerving on the road? And well, the guy is a little bit older. He has gray hair. Well, it's probably that guy, probably the guy who owns it. And so I get a ticket. Now, this is a bunch of crap. So the bottom line is the world, <laughs> the world is nuts. What role do you think gender has played in all this? And this is something that we could be talking more about. There's evidence that... You should know this is on NPR. And you should know that if this was on Fox or One American News or on Alex Jones or on Joe Rogan, although Rogan gets away with a lot of things. and But if it was on Rogan, oh my God, the people at Spotify would be losing their minds asking for him to be taken off the air. So a little trigger warning. This is from NPR. I'm going to comment on it, but this is from NPR. Women are more likely than men to experience burnout as exhaustion. And so what they're talking about is why are so many people getting out of the workforce? We got to get people back in the workforce. You know, my mother worked in the Navy during World War II. She was a wave. My father was a Marine. My father comes home and he makes, they make baby bear. They made my sister. My mother then goes back to Michigan. My father finishes service, comes, drives home. Okay, so he survives the war. And then years later, I'm born. Guess what my mom didn't do? She didn't work outside the house. My mom ran the house. My dad ran the businesses. She was a fantastic housewife, which is, that is an occupation. She worked her ass off when they did parties, when they did events. She was always networking for dad and the family businesses. By God, she did a hell of a job. Today, no, no, no. Housewife is bad, 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 bad. Everybody's got to work and we got to have daycare, raise the children. We need Hillary Clintons. We need villages. We don't need families. We need everybody working so they can buy crap, more crap for Christmas. So burnout can manifest itself a little differently in women and men. And when you look at specifically parental burnout, women experience parental burnout more often than men do. They score higher on the... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You you can't say that stuff. You cannot, listen, blacks and whites and grays and browns and Plutonians and Uranians and Neptunians, we're all the same. Doesn't make any difference what, how much your income is or your net worth. Doesn't make any difference if you're tall or short. If you're four foot seven, you have a right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to play as a center in the NBA because everybody is equal. Don't we know that? Wait a minute. This is NPR. NPR should not have this. You know what? We need to get some signs and start protesting in front of NPR. They are obviously sexist because they're talking about something that, well, they shouldn't even be talking about. It's like COVID. The, the burnout scale, but men react to parental stress much worse. There's greater risk of men um, being neglectful towards their children or, or having sort of escape fantasies. Wait a minute. Men burn out quicker raising kids? No. And men beat the shit out of women in their houses? No. But women get burned out at work quicker? No, you can't no, Can't say that. Men bad, women good, men bad, women. We need to start, pro I'm telling you, get a hold of me. We'll start a 
mass protests because NPR needs to be taught a lesson. So those things show that, you know, we need to think about burnout uh, between men and women a little differently. So before we let you go, obviously, this is a big topic, which is why you wrote a whole book about it. But how can we start talking about this? Or is this just something that people have to tackle in their workplace? We, we, we can't talk about a honey bunch because we're not allowed to talk about things like that because we're all woke, 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 woke. We're all equal. Well, I think that one of the reasons that burnout remains so prevalent and such a stubborn problem is that we think of it as just an individual problem. But burnout is the result of conditions in workplaces, workplace culture, and it's a result of society. And it's also a fact of pure, unadulterated genetics. Listen, I'm six foot two. I weigh 210 pounds. I lift weights nearly every day. At my age, I'm still pretty well built like a brick shit house. A guy in her 20s and 30s, I'm going to give them one hell of a fight. Do you think a five foot two woman weighing about 100 pounds is going to take me down? No, ain't going to happen. I don't give a damn what kind of training she is, has. I'm going to, I'm going to probably kick her ass. So what happens is they have tasers. Okay, taser my ass. And if I'm hopped up on drugs out of my mind, I'm likely to pull that thing out and do whatever I want to do to you. So what do they do? They escalate it immediately to what? A gun. And they start shooting. So the point is sometimes size matters, but that doesn't mean you hire a bunch of Neanderthals to just drag people out of cars and to be, you know, Fred Flintstone and just, oh, hey, Barney, let's go get some women. No, the point is when you put a gun in somebody's hand, when you put people in positions of high stress, they're flying planes, even though planes pretty much fly themselves. But hey, when it hits a fan, you got to make sure that yoke goes the right way and not the wrong way. And that happens a lot more than you know. You got to have the people who have the right mindset, the intellect, the physical capabilities. But in our world today, everybody is equal. Equal outcome, not equal opportunity. We have equal outcome, which is amazing to me that this ever made it on air on NPR. The view that we have of how work plays a role in being a good citizen, being a good person, and so on. And so the way to beat what I call burnout culture is precisely to have these conversations, to talk with coworkers about the problems that you're having the at work, the ideals that you brought to work to begin with, and the way those ideals are not being fulfilled. So we need to have a conversation about equality and doing the job. And sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I went to college, I got a degree, but I want to stop working. I want to be a house wife. It's okay to say, you know what? I've got a, I got a million, got a million five. I have no debt. I'm buying a van and I'm checking out. It's okay to have a conversation. That's the thing about the Paul Truesdell podcast. And it's named after me. I happen to be Paul Truesdell. What do you think about that? Shut up and start talking. Okay. I'll keep talking. Here's the thing. It's okay to have a conversation, but I'm fed up. I am. I'm fed up with people not being allowed to have a conversation. Podcast on Tuesday. I told you all about YouTube. YouTube will not allow us to have a conversation about COVID. You got to drink the Kool-Aid and you can't ask what's the flavor or is there any poison in it? It's a Jim Jones type situation. And science, remember, science gave us lobotomies. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, can't do this. Roscoe, you agree? Yeah. We can't do this. The biggest thing we can do is we have to demand the right to have free speech. If not, we're going to lose a lot more than you realize. You stupid. They're not. What's nine plus ten? 
21? You stupid. And if you think this is stupid, you're wrong because this is a trend that you should be paying attention to. It's something that we are doing a massive amount of research on for, well, investment purposes. To a request from FedEx to the FAA, the company now asking the FAA to allow some of its FedEx cargo planes be equipped with anti-missile infrared lasers for when FedEx flies over potentially dangerous contested regions. The defense system designed to divert missiles fired from the ground. The system would have to be approved by the FAA after ensuring it won't harm the plane or crew or other planes in the region. The company says it would help them having to reroute over dangerous territory. Listen, if FedEx is asking for the opportunity to have defensive missiles on their planes in hostile territories, what we're going to simply tell you is this. It is nothing more than the future. Right, Roscoe? Yeah. You know, you're one day you might wind up uh, traveling over uh, Chicago and, you know, I mean, they kill people right and left in Chicago, right, Leon? And they, uh, somebody is, uh, we used to be in the military, they wind up getting a, uh, a missile and uh, firing it uh, at one of the planes taken off from Midway or O'Hare. Do you think that's possible? Of course that's possible. But what I find is that this is one of those things where, okay, we're going to arm some planes, but then how many more planes? Now think about this. Think about the number of airliners that are flying every day. There's tons of them. What if they all started getting anti-missile, you know, flares on them and all those other things, kind of like Air Force One and the president. Think about the opportunity to make money. Hmm. And is there a reason why it's happening now? Wow. Is there some kind of an event that we don't know that maybe occurred? Oh. Ah, we ought to think about that. Tired of uh, being jerked around. And here's a real jerk around. If you've got a cell phone, your mobile carrier is collecting information about your movements every day. That data is often sold, and it turns out the Public Health Agency of Canada has been one of the buyers during the pandemic. A ping on a map just because you or I went to Costco, how does that impact or how does that affect public health policy? So remember, every time you put a phone in your pocket and you go for a drive, you go for, there, you're being tracked everywhere you go. And what is occurring worldwide and has happening right here in the United States right now. You're being tracked. And if you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated, they know. And if you're near somebody, they know. There are so much data. Oh, the government, don't worry about it. Government's not getting the data. They're just buying it. So it's all the private sector and they're buying it. You want to know why we have trillions and trillions of dollars in debt? That money's going right into the private sector from these really smarty pants people that know how to program things to track you on every single move you make. That question will be put to Canada's top doctor to Theresa Tam and Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos when they appear before the parliamentary committee looking into this. For now, So why exactly do these health people need to be buying this data? Oh, well, we just want to see if we can determine the changes in viruses from one location to another. No, it's designed so that they, that's right, they can keep you from getting health care. Now, the Public Health Agency of Canada says that data will be used to analyze the movement of populations in Canada to help inform public health policy during this pandemic. The information gathered was de-identified, meaning no data could be linked to individual Canadians' movements. Oh, I don't buy that at all. They know exactly who they're looking at, and they're going to follow you. So you go to Canada, use your phone, 
and they're going to track you nonstop. You know that, and I know that. But privacy experts say it's not bulletproof. You have to use strong de-identification protocols combined with a risk of re-identification framework. Oh, you got to have strong de-identification. <laughs> I love this stuff. We got to have strong de-identification networks, but we have to be able to then pull it up and then find out who you are if we really want to find out. Who are you? Ask Canada. Going to know reduces the likelihood of re-identification, but doesn't make it impossible. Oh, listen, I, you know, here's the thing. If you are listening for the very first time, I'm Paul Trudeau. This is the Paul Trudeau podcast, and I call BS on hypocrites. It is what it is, what it is. And here's another good thing: the number of children in urban environments that are going to be sucking wind when it comes to trying to get ahead. I wish uh, that I had some loftier purpose, but uh, I'm afraid in the end it's just the money. We're going to begin with the coronavirus and the difficult decisions faced by parents as the Omicron variant surges among kids and some schools, including the entire Chicago system, are forced into remote learning. Okay, now hang on a second. You got to understand if you're following the virus, and I've got problems even in my own damn family, people are not, they don't understand how the misclassification of this thing is going on. Oh, thank God we aren't on YouTube. We'd get banned. Folks, remember, I'm not pro, I'm not against, I deal with facts. But facts and figures are the quantitative analysis. Then you have the qualitative. The qualitative is most people are lemmings and they'll just follow, well, give me a shot give me a pill, deliver me a package. Oh, I'm in hell if I didn't get it in time. Oh, it's Christmas. (laughs) So take a look at this graphic. There's been a massive jump in pediatric hospital admissions for COVID in recent weeks. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, listen what they said. This is huge because what's coming up should knock your socks off. So take a look at this graphic. There's been a massive jump in pediatric hospital admissions for COVID in recent weeks. In just the last seven days, the CDC says an average of 824 kids per day were admitted for the disease. Here's the tricky part. Those numbers include kids who were in the hospital for other reasons and then tested positive for COVID. Here's the tricky part. Those numbers include kids who were in the hospital for other reasons and then tested positive for COVID. Here's the tricky part. Those numbers include kids who were in the hospital for other reasons and then tested positive for COVID. So who in the hell do you think these people are to get up on the news and to scare the hell out of everybody? It's just wrong. It's just plain wrong. Flu. Corona. Get a beer. Get drunk. We've got Flurona going on. And at the same time, we need to have our things delivered to us. You know, it, it just doesn't make any difference. This is, the world's gone nuts as far as I'm concerned. It's just completely lost its mind. People are too damn lazy to get up and change the channel on their television. Got a remote. Well, if I got a remote, I should be able to get my food. Oh, I'm going to call Rawhide Delivery. That's what we should have. You know what? Uber Eats, you screwed up. You should have called it Rawhide Delivery. Because, remember, getting up and moving your fat ass, you can't do that. That's wrong. Just can't do that. You fixed everything. You like it? Yeah. Move! 
The Dutch government has eased some coronavirus restrictions, but not for the hospitality sector. Terry Schultz reports some cafes and restaurants have opened in protest. Okay, so the Dutch government, and if you have been watching what's going on in Europe, it's not being reported here at all. The number of people that are protesting, I mean seriously protesting, they're not going to NPR and saying, you can't talk about women. They're literally battling the cops, the military. If I would, I would not be surprised at all if you saw France have a revolution within the next six months to a year. Macron is a nut job. He is out to get people. I mean, it is pretty bad. And if you look at some of these cops, they're running away because, well, there's a hell of a lot more people that are not cops than there are cops. And the Coronaroni, Riceroni, vaccinated, they're not coming to your assistance. They're sitting back eating their Cheerios. They're too fat and stupid. They got to get their delivery, right? They got to get their deliveries because it is what it is. You know, they can't, can't get out and do anything, but the people who are not allowed to go shopping, not allowed to go working. They're not allowed to do that stuff. They're getting PO'd in, in uh, well, in the Netherlands, yeah, and the Dutch and the Swedes are they're pissed off. Stores, hair salons, and gyms may now open until 5 p.m., but cafes, restaurants, bars, and museums must remain shut until at least January 25th. Well, not this thing about that. Oh, I can have a bar and go to the gym, but no, I can't go to the museum. I can't go to the Tampa Museum because, well, if I go to the Tampa Museum, I might spread the corona roni. But I can go to the gym, and I can run, I can exercise. Exercise, I can do everything else. I can fart and pass gas, right? Tiny Tim, can we do that? Can we do that? Sure. Yes! But if we want to go to a restaurant, if we want to go to a restaurant, we can't do that. I'm telling you, folks, there are things that I, sometimes it just it doesn't make any damn sense. Eating establishments in more than a dozen communities across the Netherlands said they would open their doors Saturday in protest. New infections in the Netherlands are at a record high, but hospitalizations are decreasing. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Now, just wait a minute. They said that hospitalizations are at a record high. Oh, no, they didn't say that. They said that testing the infections are at a record high. Wait a minute. That kind of sounds like Chicago schools, doesn't it? Does that sound like that? Here's the tricky part. Those numbers include kids who were in the hospital for other reasons and then tested positive for COVID. Oh, I'm telling you, sometimes... You know better than that. So that illustrates there very clearly in Germany. So what we see there is, um, and again, as we predicted, Omicron is displacing Delta and is associated with less hospitalizations, less deaths and less patients being ventilated. It's almost as if Omicron is protecting us against the uh, ravages of Delta. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait, wait a minute. What did he say again? Patients being ventilated. It's almost as if Omicron is protecting us against the... Uh, ravages of Delta. So for those of you who have the ability to critically think, and if you've been doing a lot of reading, not just reading these memes, not going to Facebook or YouTube, or going to all this crap that's out there. Don't listen to ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, Fox, none of those things. Stay away from the Alex Joneses. Stay away from all these people. Just do your own logical thinking, okay? Do your own logical thinking. Think you didn't have any brains at all. I have so got brains. Well, why don't you use them? Why don't you use them? Because here's the thing. As viruses mutate, you know what they do? They get less powerful. They get less powerful. The key question is, what is the relationship between COVID, the common cold, AIDS, and MERS? For those of you who are clients of mine, I will be telling you a story that you will not believe. And nobody's going to say to me, Shut up and start talking. No, we're going to shut up and stop talking privately. We're not going to tell you on the Paul Truesdale podcast 
No, can't do that because it's powerful and it's something that uh, I don't want to get uh, bull whipped over. Let's continue on with this thing because uh, it is what it is. Well, it's not almost as it, uh, almost like that. It actually is that. It's really quite 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 incredible. And, and we know that Omicron gives immunity against Delta as well. So it's um, yeah. So whatever you make of that, that's the data. If you don't want to accept my uh, interpretation there, you have to accept the data, I'm afraid, because that's, well, unless the Robert, it's from straight from the Robert Koch Institute. Well, we're going to play this again, because these are the things that we should be talking about. But we can't, not in places like YouTube. We can't talk about it in places, there's a, an organization in West Shore. I have a conversation like this, I'll have somebody come, you can't talk about this stuff, right? You got problems out there, and I'm fed up with it. Listen to this one more time, it's going to take 48 seconds, I'll let it run all the way through. Listen to what he's saying, because these are things that we should be talking about, coupled with the next item that I have coming up. So that's illustrated there very clearly in Germany. So what we see there is, um, and again, as we predicted, Om Omicron is, is displacing Delta and is associated with less hospitalizations, less deaths and less patients being ventilated. It's almost as if Omicron is protecting us against the uh, ravages of Delta. Well, it's not almost, as, uh, almost like that. It actually is that against the uh, ravages of Delta. Well, it's not almost, as, uh, almost like that. It actually is that. It's, really, it's almost as if Omicron is protecting us against the uh, ravages of Delta. Well, it's not almost, as, uh, almost like that. It actually is that. It's really quite, quite, quite incredible. And, and we know that Omicron gives immunity against Delta as well. So it's, um, yeah. So whatever you make of that, that's the data. If you don't want to accept my uh, interpretation there, you uh, have to accept the data, I'm afraid, because that's, well, unless the Robert, it's from straight from the Robert Koch Institute. So we have institutes out there that are actually doing research, but now those institutes will be labeled as anti-vax based. They're crazy. They're all related. Who's that? Who's that guy in Germany? Oh, yeah, they're all Hitlerites. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think so. You know what I think? I think that if you sit down and actually do some damn thinking, you might come to some different conclusions. Governor Ronnie, what do you say? The medical mandate for the for the nurses and the doctors, this is what they're trying to do is absolutely insane. In other states, they have fired nurses for not having vax, even though most of them have natural immunity. So they fire them. But now they're shorthanded, so what are they doing? They are bringing back on the job vaccinated nurses who are COVID, currently COVID positive. So if you're unvaccinated, naturally immune, and uninfected, you're, they fire you. But if you're COVID positive and vax, which we know most of the people that are COVID positive now are vax, they are going back on the job. Um, and it just shows you that CMS mandate absolutely insane especially given the ineffectiveness you know of of these shots to actually stop transmission so my question to you is when you have the somebody running for president of the united states do you want somebody that can articulate an issue like governor ron DeSantis, or do you want to have somebody like uh, former president donald trump or you want to have somebody like don uh what's his name gavin newsom in california who says that if we did what florida did oh the whole state We'd be, oh, we'd have 40, 50, 500,000 more dead people. Oh, my God. What would we do? 
oh, if we roll back time, hmm, yeah. If we roll back time, what would we be hearing right now? Soon you'll be able to walk into your Admiral Dealer's store and confidently buy the style radio or radio phonograph you want. The selection of Admiral radios will be complete. There'll be radio phonographs with the famous Admiral exclusive features. Slide away that makes loading and unloading your record changer so easy. And the foolproof Admiral automatic record changer. There'll be consoles and table models and newly designed cabinets of fine woods and modern plastic. There'll be farm sets and portables in many styles and sizes, including the popular Admiral Bantam, the camera-type radio that operates on alternating current, direct current, or self-contained batteries. There'll be new electronic refinements and AM, FM, and shortwave reception. And now about television. Admiral's extensive research assures television receivers with true Admiral quality. So, whatever you want in radio, you'll find it in an Admiral, America's smart set. You can get a very good idea of what Admiral will offer if you're right for a free copy of the new full-colored booklet entitled It's a Promise from Admiral. Just write your name and address on a penny postcard and mail it to Admiral in care of this radio station. That's all. Just your name and address mailed to Admiral at this station. So I brought that up because clients of mine will be receiving some information from me about Admiral TVs. I'll be telling you a little story on the Fixed Cost Financial Podcast, which is limited only to those who are clients of Fixed Cost Financial all about our first color television when we moved from Dallas to Milwaukee and how it was an admiral. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining me. And as my good friend Pat has reminded me to do, we got to get our song in. This is called The Poker Player. And The Poker Player will then uh, precede our uh, wrap-up. And with that, let's listen to The Poker Player. Always remember, we own the rights to our music and uh, enjoy this. One of the things I tell you to do in the next two minutes is get off your butt, move around, exercise. This all takes just a couple minutes. Remember, if you like Creedence Clearwater Revival, hey, heard it through the grapevine. 11 minutes and one second. Why, you get some boogie and some sweating on that, guys. You like this? Curly Joe, you like this one? has been the Paul Truesdell Podcast. The Paul Truesdell Podcast is sponsored by nobody. Why? Because paid advertising chokes and corrupts free speech. Yeah.
Bandwidth, production, and hosting for the Paul Truesdell podcast provided by Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, a true fiduciary-based registered investment advisor and manager. Visit FixedCostFinancial.com. That's FixedCostFinancial.com. And remember, pay attention to Jetson One. That's right, Jetson One, a company that is creating a personal quadcopter that is coming to America and to a city near you. I'm telling you, I have high hopes for Jetson One. Meet George Jetson. His boy, Elroy. Daughter, Judy. It's called the Jetson One. Google it, search it, and be glad you did.